Hello and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, spirit-filled, non-denominational church meeting in the Los Feliz area of Los Angeles, or we hope to be again sometime soon. Everything we do as a church is, as with most of the rest of life, currently happening online. Our current teaching series is on Philippians, a letter written to a church for whom Paul had a clear affection about how to find the joy of the Lord amidst whatever comes our way. It felt like a poignant moment to stop and see this stuff, and we hope it helps. Hello, welcome to Bread. Uh, it is lovely to virtually see you in my mind's eye. Uh, if you've never met me, my name is Alice and I work here. And I hope you are filled with excitement for um, this upcoming Thursday and Thanksgiving. I hope you have the best time. Over the past few weeks, we have been um, in a series on the book of Philippians. And so just to take you on a whistle-stop tour of the context of this letter again, after the civil wars, Rome decided to settle its veterans in small colony towns across uh, Greece and modern-day Turkey. Rome was kind of like hungry for an empire. Their sovereignty of their emperor was their message and uh, their retired soldiers were their evangelists. Their task was to extend Roman civilization and to pacify and keep each town just as Rome wanted. Philippi was one of those, Philippi was one of those Roman colonies, but was particularly marked by an almost cult-like patriotism because um, the final Roman battle for power had been won just 10 miles outside of its city walls. And so this meant that many of the Roman soldiers who actually like physically fought in uh, that battle, um, lived in Philippi. The Philippian identity for that reason became inextricably linked to wartime victory. Think stories being told to children and uh, history being taught in Philippian classrooms, uh, national holidays in remembrance of their victory. Generations of Philippians would have believed that Rome had brought to them, in some sense, salvation. The previous Caesar was even officially deified in Roman law, and the current Caesar, when Paul wrote this letter, was given the name, the Son of God. Do you feel the tension building with this gospel that Paul is preaching? Now, of course, as has been mentioned over the last few weeks, not everyone who lived in Philippi was a Roman citizen. Many wouldn't have been, and this caused even more tension, even more hierarchy in the community between those who were and those who weren't, in and out, us and them, rich and poor, slave and free. It just, so many tensions going around all the time. So, when we're reading this letter, we're listening in to a conversation which isn't just Paul and some friends. It's Paul and some friends who are very different from one another, attempting to unify under Jesus. And as we've been exploring, Paul expertly cuts to the core of the Philippian identity and upstages the whole way of Roman life. Because for him, and still for us as Christians today, it isn't about being at the top of the social hierarchy, about looking back to our victories and staying clothed in our power. The community of the kingdom is different. It's upside down. We worship a, God, we worship a different God, Jesus, the servant king of the world. So as we listen to Jackie read us this next section, I want to encourage you to keep in mind the context. 
um, and listen as Paul reveals to us how we build a different kind of colony, a messianic one. Thanks, Jackie. Hi, Brad family. I'll be reading from Philippians 3.12, 4.1. Not that I have already attained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such view of things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, their mind is the unearthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So Paul spent the first half of chapter three shifting the Philippians' focus from themselves and onto the one who is infinitely more powerful, to Jesus. Last week, Raul asked the question, what would it look like if we put our confidence in Christ? And Paul is now building on that. He's saying, now that I've brought your focus back to Jesus, now that I've encouraged you to trust him and give all that you are and all that you have to him, you've got a job to do, a, a team to build and a kingdom to, to grow. It's the same thing that Jesus has been saying to his church for a couple of millennia. And it's the same thing that Jesus is saying again to us this morning. So what does this kingdom building look like and how do we do it? Verse 18, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Those are some strong words from Paul. And for a second, let's just remind ourselves that Paul is writing this letter from prison, a prison which was much different to our understanding of prison. It was basically just a holding cell, a holding cell, dark, full of filth and human waste. The authorities didn't provide food or water. Paul had to get those delivered to him by his friends. So here is Paul in the middle of this horrifying experience, completely reliant on others for his survival and yet crying, not because of his circumstances, but because of the pain that he sees in the world. The pain he sees in his fellow human beings as they are sold a vacant Roman Empire salvation. And yes, Paul, ever the truth teller, in two short sentences is making two massive statements. He points out that these behaviours and institutions are destructive, 
and that we as Messiah people um, should not succumb to, uh, to succumb to them. But more so, he's actually highlighting this pagan behavior because he's straight talking the church, imploring them not to become detached from the pain of the world around them, to take off their cloak of superiority, if they're wearing one, and be filled again with godly compassion. He's saying, with tears in his eyes, remember that people are hurting out here. Remember that they are hiding uh, and self-medicating with their destructive behaviors. People are lonely. Rome's structures and institutions are suffocating them. Does that sound at all familiar? Paul is saying, don't be blown off course, church. In the midst of all of this, get back to the plan. Be filled with the Spirit and build the church. Because these people are God's children and we have the alternate society that they are created for. But why? Why should the Philippians and why should we live this way? Because, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Being citizens of heaven is not just a statement of fact uh, or our identity, although it is both of those things. The Greek that Paul is using here is about the collective. It's about us. It's about unity. It's about us building something together. Being citizens of heaven is our mandate. Remember what I said at the beginning about Philippi being a Roman colony, that many veterans were um, tasked with building a Rome away from Rome, so to speak, to bring the benefits as they saw it of Roman, Roman civilization to other parts of the world. This is how Paul's image works here. He's calling to mind the Roman Empire. And he's flipping it on its head and saying, the point of the church for both the Philippians and for us is to create heavenly colonies as we go about our daily lives, bringing the life and culture and civilization of heaven into the chaos. It is our job to play by different rules than the world plays, to introduce people by very nature of who we are to Jesus and to his upside down kingdom, putting others first, love over fear, mercy over judgment, inclusion of all, and the free gift of God's forgiveness. Paul is reminding us, heaven isn't up there somewhere for those special, holier-than-thou people. Just as the Lord's Prayer puts it, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven and earth go together. Heaven and earth are supposed to blend, to meet and to merge, and they come together in Jesus and through the Spirit and in God's people living out their citizenship. I'm sure that many of you have um, met Alicia. She is an absolute babe, been at Bread for a few years, and a sarcastic genius. And she also oversees our Serve the City uh, outreach. And if you've not heard what that is, every month, first Sunday, first Sunday of the month, we meet in Los Feliz and split off in small groups and hand out already packaged lunches to those suffering from homelessness in our area. And we pray for people and that kind of thing. And so she oversees that. And the first time I went uh, with Alicia to, 
to this serve the city thing, I was really apprehensive. I wasn't sure whether I'd know what to say, how I would respond to actually seeing with my eyes, you know, such a clear amount of pain and lack of care for those most vulnerable in our society. And in full honesty, I also didn't really want to be confronted by the reality and the depth of the issue in our city and my part to play in that. But there was something different about Alicia. She seemed to be filled with this expectancy, this fire in her belly and excitement to see God meet with people. And so as I walked around with her, I watched as she remembered people's names and offered to pray for people and, um, you know, met with everyone that she could. And one man in particular was suffering with stomach problems, really intense, like cramps and pains, and he couldn't sleep or eat and he couldn't go to hospital because he feared that, you know, the cost that he would incur would then suffocate him and trap him into being homeless for the rest of his life. So Alicia just immediately led us in prayer for him. We prayed that God would meet him right there, right in the mess of it all, in the pain and in the fear. And as we asked that God would heal him, would reveal his love and draw close to him and protect him, he just cried, cried and cried and cried. And although he wasn't immediately physically healed, frustratingly, sometimes people are healed, some people aren't, we just don't know why. But he did say that he felt grateful to be prayed for, that he felt seen, that he was reminded that he wasn't alone, that perhaps he began to ask, maybe God knows me, maybe God loves me. And I couldn't get his words out of my head all day. They just came with me all day because I was reminded this is what we have to offer as the church. This is what we do. We have God's power. And watching Alicia use her gifts, be comfortable in the chaos, in the pain, while also having this extravagant faith that God can change things, that prayer and having you know, a presence on the street is powerful, encapsulates exactly what Paul is talking about here. Alicia was walking out her citizenship and she was helping other people read me. She was helping me learn to do the same. And this brings me seamlessly onto my next point. It says citizens. It's plural for a reason. We do this together. It's all right that I was apprehensive the first time I showed up to serve the city because Alicia wasn't. And she showed me how it's done. Her faith influenced and encouraged mine. And obviously with coronavirus cases on the rise again and the threat of another safer at home order imminent, it's really important for us to know that we can still do this in lockdown. God and his kingdom is not limited. So how do we do it? We do it together, yes, but we ask Jesus and keep on asking him, irrespective of our limited physical circumstances, to take hold of us by his spirit. Paul says this in verse 312. Now that I have already, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Becoming citizens of heaven is impossible in our own efforts. Building the kingdom, humanly impossible. Being in partnership and unified, humanly impossible. But they are all made possible 
by the Spirit of the living God. We can walk as Jesus walked, in the power of the Spirit. We may not do it perfectly as he did, we may not do it all the time, but we can do it in Christ. Paul is powerfully reminding us that the church is a group of people who are doing this Jesus thing, you know, making the world around them a place where love and generosity and healing and hope come to birth. The vision of the Christian community is to see glimpses of heaven's glory shining out as God's people become fully human in Jesus, turned outwards to face the world empowered by the wisdom, grace and love of their Father in heaven. So the question for you and for me is this, do you want to be part of it? Do you want to wade deep into this kingdom adventure? Do you want to see the life and culture of heaven grab hold of our weird and wonderful Los Angeles city landscape? Because this is what bread is called to be, this type of community, a heaven bringing messianic one. Uh, as many of you know, the past five weeks, we have been doing a Hearing God's Voice course. And if you missed it, don't worry, we'll do another one and you are definitely, definitely invited. But this past five weeks, in watching people experience God's closeness and his power all over Zoom, may I say, um, and through countless stories of people hearing God's voice for the first time, I have been reminded time and time and time again that this is what God loves to do. He uses any opportunity that we give him to encourage us and empower each one of us and to turn us into kingdom builders. In fact, there was even a girl this past week who said that she joined the church, started coming to bread, uh, joined a super small group, zoomed into hearing God's voice, and now feels encouraged that God speaks to her all during a worldwide pandemic. Isn't that mind-blowingly faith-building? God is building our church. God desires to use each and every one of us. You're not left out. You're in. You may not have experienced much of this before or felt um, that you're part of something like this before, but you're in. Jesus says so. He doesn't have special ones and ordinary ones or good enough and oh, have you seen how badly they messed up their life ones? He has all of us, all fallen short, and literally the only thing we ever need to say is, here I am, use me. Here I am, I'm in. So, can I encourage you? As Bread continues to offer new ways to get involved, both online and hopefully as soon as we possibly can safely in person, I mean, super small groups, courses, serve the city, prayer meetings, prayer ministry times. Why don't you just jump in? Give something a go. As always, you can come once. You don't have to come again. We won't chase you. Um, and why don't we start praying together as a church that God would use each one of us in our regular daily lives? That you and I would feel filled with faith-sparked courage to, I don't know, Offer to pray for that friend who calls you for relationship advice or set up a meal train for that person who is in need or to tell that Trader Joe's checkout person what you feel like God might be saying to them because what do you actually have to lose? You've got a mask on. They won't even recognise you next time. 
why don't we trust that? Just as I watched God um, honor Alicia's faith and courage to pray for someone she didn't know, why don't we trust that God is in the business of blessing us through every opportunity we give him? So this morning, as we end, if you feel comfortable, why don't you open your hands and close your eyes? Literally just as a sign of being open. And can I invite you in your heart and mind to just come to Jesus again? As I was thinking about this morning, in particular, I felt that there might be some people watching who feel like their faith has just been lacking. You felt this deep desire to see God's spirit at work in your life, your life and in the lives around you. You have been missing doing this church, weekly physical, we're in it together, reminder of God's goodness and his power. And I actually just think God wants to remind you that his power is right here, right where you are, in your room or on your couch or wherever. And I think that he just desires to empower you again, fill you with his spirit and with an expectancy that you are a citizen of heaven and a badass bringer of the kingdom. So if that's you, why don't you spend some time during this final worship song asking that God would meet you and empower you. I'm just going to pray for us and then uh, we're going to have one final worship song. Lord, I just welcome your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you, um, you're building bread, that bread is your church, that we are your children. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would um, empower us by your Holy Spirit, that we would be um, excited and filled with faith to continue to build your kingdom. God, we just want to feel that expectancy of um, seeing people get healed and become Christians and, um, you know, hear your voice for the first time. Thank you for all of those times that we have seen over the, fa- the past five weeks of you um, speaking to your children. And I pray, Lord, that you would come and speak to each one of us now, that you would draw close by your power and that you would be with us. Lord, thank you that you are at work and uh, your kingdom is here. Lord, we ask that um, heaven would come, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in your name. All things have passed away Your love has stayed the same Your constant grace remains the cornerstone Things that we thought were dead Breathing in life again You cause your sun to shine on dark as night 
what you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song jesus we 